Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. Welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast. We're heading into round eight of the AFL season. As always, my name is Eddie Dad, so I'm going to be running you through all things Supercoach related today. We're proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW, as always. Uh, joining me to run you through everything Supercoach related, I've got a couple of the best in the business. Uh, he's uh, fresh off a, a hot shift at the Herald Sun Tonight, uh, he's been looking at all things Tasmanian related. There's not much tribunal news for once. Dylan Bolch, what can you tell us uh, about the latest in the the Tassie world? It feels like a bit of a momentous day for Tassie football. Walk us through it. Yeah, so it seems like they'll uh, they'll finally get a team, which is is news to all Tasmanians' ears. I'm 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 sure of that. So uh, yeah, I think tomorrow Gil will have a presser in the morning, and um, yeah, no doubt everyone's expecting it to be um, the announcement of the 19th team. Very exciting. We'll have to get Rain Man on the, back on the podcast in a couple of weeks to discuss his thoughts on that. Uh, I know he's been quite vocal on Twitter and yeah, just happy for Tasmania, really. I think I deserved it. Um, joining me on the other line as well is uh, the SC Bandit. He's uh, fresh off a, another dominating performance at the local footy level over the weekend. He's studying. He's helping us out with Supercoach stuff. Uh, Bandit, how are you traveling on this fine Tuesday evening? I'm good, man. I'm good. There's, uh, as you alluded to, there's a fair bit going on in my in my world at the moment. But uh, yeah, the Tassie stuff's uh, really exciting for the competition. I think um, everyone's got an opinion on it, which is um, which is good. Um, everyone needs to have a view on these things. But um, yeah, I think overall, I think it's a really positive thing for the competition and a really good thing for, for footy down in Tassie, which has been um, probably struggling over the last ten years or so at local level. So hopefully that'll give it a real um, a real shot in the arm. It's been one of my favorite topics to talk about this week because I think we, we're at a point where the, the Tassie team is going to happen. So if there's 19 teams in the comp. I think the AFL is going to need a 20th team. Dylan, where are we uh, Where are we going to put that 20th team? Where do you, do you like another team in Vic? Do you like, like a third in SA? Are you going a bit further afield? Where, where's your heart lie with that one? Oh, I mean, I'd love to see a, an NT team. I think that'd be really cool and, and special. But um, I know there's some murmurings this week that there'll be a, a third WA side. Potentially out of um, uh, Jundalup, I might have butchered that um, pronunciation, but yeah, it might be. You've a, done pretty well. <laughs> um, potentially a, a third WA team, but yeah, if I had it my way, I'd probably uh, look at the NT. But having said that, I think it's probably a fair way off still. Um, we haven't talked with the Tassie stuff now that there, there might be a diluted talent pool, and yeah, I can't imagine they'd rush uh, to in overly quickly. I saw a fully sincere tweet before saying that Chase Jones was going to sign a three-year deal for the Crows so he could be a, a lucrative free agent for the Tassie team coming in 27. And yeah, that didn't exactly make me feel yeah. super confident about the caliber of players that are going to be heading down there. No, no offense to Chase Jones, he's had a good season, but if he's your marquee free agent, I think we've got some problems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, before we get into all things uh, to do with trades and, and rookies and up and down grades and stuff, I just want to find out how you went um, for the week and where you're sitting for the season. Uh, my team was 2,242, pretty under par, I think. That leaves me, uh, yeah, leave me sort of adrift in the in the late 18,000. Sorry, I wish I was in the 1800s. Uh, yeah, what about your team? Where are you, where are you placed heading into round eight? Uh, so I scored two two six five, um, which wasn't terrible for the week, but um, obviously, as we saw, there was quite a few um, teams that scored sort of 23. 50 plus so 
Uh, it was probably a little bit below par. Um, dropped about 900 spots in the overall rankings um, to just outside the top 9,000 overall. So um, sitting in not a bad spot, but uh, the worry for me is now that uh, I've boosted out of all my uh, my boosts. So uh, yeah. boosted out, Bandit. Yeah, I'm, I'm boosted out. I've had a few had a few injuries over the last few weeks actually, which has been really annoying. I've had uh, I traded in Took uh, not last week but the week before I think it was. Um, so I had to trade him out. Um, I've had Sam Doherty as well, who's made a, a miracle comeback. Um, Can't believe that after a couple of, after a couple of weeks out, um, and I had Darcy Cameron as well, um, who I traded in for Sean Darcy uh, prior to round three. After oh no, I did that same, so, I did that same uh, move, and it is just killing me every week. Since. Yeah, yeah. So not not ideal, but um, in saying that, there's not really that many rookies to sort of trade down to this week, so I probably wouldn't have used the boost. Uh, this week anyway to be honest but yeah it's um definitely gonna make life a little bit more challenging without without those extra trades sweet sweet shrek has just been fantastic this last month it's been a joy to watch him um how many trades have you got left i'm five boosts i'm trying to do the maths on my hands it must mean you're getting close to the 20 so the the teens almost bandit where are we yeah if i use two trades this week which i probably will i'll have 19 left Interesting. Wow. Okay. Good to know. I think, um, yeah, that makes me feel a little bit better about my 25 remaining before this week. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's not helping me so far. Dylan, what about you? How'd you go over the weekend? Yeah, similar to you guys, 2228 for me, which um, felt a bit under par, leaves me at um, 8.4K for the season, which is okay, but it was a slide. Um, it feels like, I don't know, the, like the, the nature of the, the up and downs in the rankings at the moment are purely dependent on the rookies that I'm fielding. So yeah, um, last week I got stuck with Fergus Green, Van Ruin, um, Filippo, these types on field, which killed me. But the week before I managed to avoid those dud scores and had, you know, blokes that were going 70 or 80 as rookies and um, it sort of reflected in the rankings. So, yeah, at the moment um, going okay, just all right. But, yeah, hopefully I can get rid of these rookies sooner rather than later. I wish I could blame the rookies for my current predicament. I've just completely butchered my vice-captaincy and captaincy loopholes two weeks in a row. So the week before is when I forgot to put the emergency on Marshall when he was sitting on the bench. This week, I didn't have Marshall vice-captain, had Bont vice, decided not to take his 1-2-2 and went with Dacos for his 72. So essentially cost myself 80 points, you know, potentially cost myself. Yeah, it just it's just stupid. I can't figure it out. I need to give my key the keys to my team to Nico or something to help me. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, each week, boys, we've been, this season we've been doing uh, one, a segment that I like to call the least valuable and most valuable player of the Supercoach Year Award. So basically, I just uh, hand it over to you guys and, and I need you guys to tell me who you think your most valuable and least valuable players of the weeks are. I'll start with you, Bandit. What, what are your three, two, one for your most valuable player of the week award votes? Uh, yeah, so I gave three votes to uh, Christian Petrarca for his 167 against uh, against the North Melbourne Witches Hats on, on Saturday night at the G. Um, that was a woeful game to have on, on free-to-air TV. That was over by 10 minutes into the first quarter. But, um, yeah, he's in great nick at the moment and definitely worth someone, definitely worth having a look at uh, upgrading to if you're in a position to, to do that. Um, I gave two votes to, to Rowan Marshall. Um, I said I was VCing him um, before the game and he definitely uh, delivered in spades there. So that was um, a nice way to start the week. Uh, and then I gave one vote to to Jordan Dawson uh, for his 150 against Collingwood. Um, he's just in such good form at the moment. And I think we're all starting to realise just how good a footballer he, he really is. I think he was probably behind a few uh, at Sydney. And uh, yeah, going over to Adelaide's really allowed him to step into that 
um, sort of number one midfielder slash defender role at the Crows, and he's obviously captain there now. So um, yeah, he's uh, he's thriving. Not every week you, you score one fifty and get a one vote in the in the SC Playbook Awards, but I also went the one vote. Also went the one vote for him this week. Uh, I gave my two to Cade Chandler, who notched up a one hundred four against the the Witches hats, Witches hats on Saturday night. He was excellent. He's a he's a good player. I think he's going to be in the system for a long time. Uh, and then my three votes went to Rowan Marshall, who was just exceptional. On Friday night, I wish I'd taken your advice, man. That you were very loud on the Marshall train. Uh, wish I'd wish I'd listened to you there. Uh, it, was, it was very prescient advice. What about you, Dylan? Uh, what did you go for with your most valuable player votes? Um, so most valuable, I had Marshall with the three. I think um, I didn't have him as vice, but the fact he he bounced back in. He'd been a little bit underwhelming. I think a lot of people started him, but he was um, really, really sound on the weekend. Tom Stewart, I gave two. He was a, a trade-in for me. And I gave Will Ashcroft one. He's 100 as a rookie. Um, was a, a nice change compared to some of the others. Yeah, he was... He, I mean, that goal, I mean, just to digress for a second, not only his goal, but then Michael Walters' goal shortly yeah. after. Uh, that's the two best goals in a single game I've ever seen. It was yeah. remarkable. Uh, what, what was going through his head to just put the ball on his boot at that point? I, don't, I just don't... It doesn't make any sense to me. What was he yeah. thinking? Who knows? The, the scary thing is that he and his younger brother, Levi, who's um, another father-son prospect in not this year, year after, they do that sort of shoot regularly. So, yeah, good time to be a Lions fan, it seems. Very good time to be a Lions fan. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, our least valuable player of the week votes. Um, it's probably a bit harsh on a couple of these guys, but uh, certainly not harsh on this guy. Mason Redmond gets my three. Uh, I've had him for three weeks now. After trading Jordan Ridley to him, he's yet to crack the ton. He had 50 on the weekend. Looked terrible. Um, I don't really know what I'm going to do about that. It's causing me a lot of problems. Two, Nick Dacos, captain, um, wasn't good enough. Uh, I think he yeah, he's, he's, it's his first bad game of the season. All right, whatever, Bandit. Don't give me that look. Um, I needed more, more needed more out of him as captain. And then my one vote goes to Jacob Hopper, uh, who's uh, who's leaving teams in, a, in an interesting position as to whether they hold him or, or get rid of him. Um, Bandit, you've been laughing at me throughout my, th- throughout my three players there. So I hope you've got some good guys up your sleeve here. Oh, Who have you gone with? Yeah, I'm just trying to get my head around how you traded Jordan Ridley for Mason Redmond. That's, mm. oh, that's, that's it's not my finest move. It's not my finest move. No, um, but anyway, uh, look, I also I also found Redmond for for the three. Um, he was rubbish against Geelong, and he's rubbish when Essendon lose. So um, correct. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a worry for for owners going forward because I don't think Essendon will be able to maintain that early season form that they had. Going for a little while there. Um, I found his teammate... Gee, a, bit, a bit harsh, Bandit. They played the three best teams in the comp over the last three weeks and won one of the games and been in the, been in the other two. No, I, I think they're about to drop off. Um, mm, okay. I, found, I found a teammate of Redmond's for, for two votes, Will Setterfield. Uh, both scored 51. Uh, yeah, I think the bubbles burst for, for him. I'd be looking to trade him out ASAP if I was, a, if I was an owner. Uh, and then one vote. I don't really like potting rookies, but uh, Mateus Philippou for for twenty super coach points against Port from seventy two percent time on ground. Um, yeah, he might be headed for a spell in the twos pretty soon. I reckon he looks pretty pretty gassed. So absolutely, uh, yeah, he, he's probably another trade out. By all accounts, Jack Billings had a pretty decent game in the twos as well. So that seems like a little bit of a like for like replacement. Uh, Dylan, what about your votes for least valuable super coach player of the week? 
Yeah, I've gone a little bit rogue. So I had Van Rowen as the one vote. Um, I don't know how you can... Well, how can you score 30 points when your team is winning by 100 and kicking 150 or whatever it is? Well, that, it defies... Anyway, moving on. Second one, I've got Laird and the journos that spew the dribble about Laird during the week. That is the most annoying shit. If he's in, he's in. If he's out, he's out. I hate the whole, oh, he's gone off to piss in the toilet during a training session. Like He's scored 100 100 points. Uh, It's not Laird. I'm potting the, the talk around Laird. It did my head in all week. Oh, he's, he's now he is playing. He's not playing. He's not. No, moral of the story is no one knew anything. So yeah. how do I add this into my spreadsheet then, yeah. Dylan? Can you help me out here? What column does the, the Rory Led journos go in? Uh, well, Led can cop the Led can cop it. Unfortunately, oh. that's his fault. For he shouldn't have had a dodgy calf in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's more like it. And then I'll continue with the potting Essendon theme, and Setterfield has has the three. Um. Oh, Real red and black flavour. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Not a great week for the boys. I have to say, I, was, I don't know if you guys watched the game, but aside from, and this is going to sound funny, but aside from the first 10 minutes where they kicked six goals on us, it was actually a pretty good game and we played pretty well. Did you Did you happen to catch it, Bandit? Yeah, I, I did watch it. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, like you said, got to quarter time, I was like, well, this is going to be ugly. But yeah, you guys actually held your own for, um, for, for the next three quarters. I don't know if that says more about you guys or whether it says more about Geelong, but. Um, yeah, it actually wasn't too bad a game after that. I reckon Geelong took the foot off the gas and we're like, oh, we've put these these duds to the sword early. We can uh, cruise on through. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if you guys saw that that um, Nick Martin turnover that led to the, I think, Hawkins' eighth goal, but that was when we were we were surging and Martin just gave it to Dangerfield on the halfback flank and uh, it was horrific. It's been keeping me up at night. I can't... Uh, <laughs> shaking still thinking about it um guys you've been listening to me talk a lot about home loans over the last 12 months on the show and most people are probably thinking they're way off being in that position and that it's irrelevant to them but the boys at mortgage choice scw can get you a loan for pretty much anything it doesn't have to be a house so if santa brushed you for a ps5 this year or maybe the toolbox needs an upgrade and your boss is too stingy to chip in patty and george can make the dream a reality the best part, no more sacrificing your avocados for two-minute noodles because their usual $129 fee is waived when you mention SC Playbook. These loans are quick and easy with the money dropping in your pocket within days. So after a few years of COVID causing us grief, treat yourself in 2023 and shoot Pat and George a message on their Instagram handle at Pat and George Mortgage Choice to get it sorted. You can also jump into any of the articles on the SC Playbook website for all of their contact details. Uh, boys, uh, the, the, the next big segment in the podcast is what I like to call the big questions of the week. Um, and there's actually, for, for a change this season, we don't have really anything specific to get into. There aren't any really relevant suspensions. Uh, the injury bug seems to be dying off to a certain extent. Um, so just broadly, first off, the big, the big topic that I'm going to throw to you guys is just a general strat chat. Um, and we've mentioned it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but I think most teams are now reaching a point where our mid prices, uh, particularly in the midfield with the likes of uh, Jacob Hopper and Will Setterfield, are maxing out in price. But so are most of our rookies as well. So almost all the rookies on every line, with the exception of you know Ashcroft and Chandler, who had those big scores over the weekend, and maybe a Luke Pedler, who's been scoring decently. Most of those rookies are starting to max out in price as well. So, Bandit, when you're looking at, at who, you, who you're going to upgrade, which players are you going to use your precious few remaining trades on, uh, how are you kind of prioritizing that mix between getting rid of the mid prices that you know aren't keepers versus getting rid of rookies off the field? Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's almost kind of getting to that time of year where you can kind of just sort of leave your team for a couple of weeks, I think. Um, even if you have got a few rookies who are maxed out, like 
you know, Connor McKenna, who um, I'm sure we can talk about a little bit later on, but his job security actually looks like it's gotten a little bit better recently with the news that um, Zorko and Rich would miss sort of two or three weeks each. So he's probably someone you can hang on to now rather than trade out um, if you really have to. Um, yeah, guys like probably guys who aren't getting a game. So like Will Phillips is one at, at North who's probably on the outer and you can look to, to move on um, if he's not named this week. Um, but yeah, it looks like we've just got a lot of dead rookies at the moment, which is kind of annoying. Um, Matt Johnson got rubbed out for two weeks this week, um, which was also annoying. Um, Harry Rouston's out of the Giants team and, um, Charlie Constable can't really get a look in at the Gold Coast. So, um, yeah, it's just a case of just maybe holding, um, these sort of rookies who have appreciated in price and just wait for the next batch to come through because it looks like we're a little bit light on at the moment. So I think that, that point that you raised about McKenna and Wilmot is an interesting one because they're two guys that are going to be uh, on the chopping block for a lot of teams this week. Uh, I see 2.7% of teams have traded out Darcy Wilmot and 1.6% of teams have traded out Connor McKenna. Dylan, what uh, what's the relevant news that, that might make you hold your trade button on those two guys? Has there been a couple of injuries at the Lions that, that might just shore up their job security for the for the foreseeable future? Yeah, so Bandit mentioned it um, before with with um, Daniel Rich and Dane Zorko that are set to miss the next two to three weeks. So that, um, in particular, with Rich out, really helps McKenna and um, and Wilmot, who sort of play that half-back slash wing role. Um, and at the end of the day, Brisbane are winning at the moment, and um, when you're winning, you're less likely to change a, a winning formula. Um, so even though both of them are, I guess, probably close to max out in price, the fact that they're playing and also that the fact that they're scoring pretty well as well for rookies, uh, McKenna in particular, you can sort of pencil in a, a 70 most weeks for him and um, Wilmot probably a 60. Uh, and that at the moment, that's a, a pretty solid rookie score. So, yeah, if, if they're certainly not pressing trade-outs, um, I wouldn't have thought. Let's talk about Will Setterfield um, because I think he's a guy that we, I think really we, we probably wanted him to last longer than this as, a, as an option. Um, I personally thought he could maybe sustain this sort of stuff for the first couple of months of the season. It's turned out that he's lasted about six weeks before turning back into a bit of a pumpkin. Bandit, at what point do you pull the pin on him? Because I think his his floor is higher than the likes of a, let's say you're fielding a, an Ashcroft maybe. I, I think that that Setterfield's floor is probably a little bit higher than an Ashcroft, but maybe his ceiling isn't quite there as it was at the start of the season. So when do you know when to pull the pin on these guys? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I agree with I agree with you that his floor is probably a little bit higher than um, than Ashcroft's. He had his, I mean, Setterfield had his last score for the year uh, on the weekend against the Cats, and he won't be the, the last player um, to do that against Geelong this year. But um, I kind of question... Um, the validity of holding him now. I mean, he's had one score over 100 for the year, and that was a that was a big score against Gold Coast. So, read into that what you will. But I mean, with a break even of 117, like I don't really see him um, increasing in value from from this point. Um, he's made 80k to to now. So, um, you know, if you've got 200k in the bank, um, it's a pretty easy switch up to. Um, you know, Rory Laird type or Taranto or Neil or someone like that. So, um, yeah, if, to be honest, if it was me, I'd be I'd be chopping him this week. I don't think I'd be waiting any longer. He looks looks pretty cooked. So, um, yeah, I'd be I'd be looking to move him on. I'm 100 percent with you on that one. And I actually I actually don't think that's much of a decision to make. I, I think he has to go. Um, I think this was this was always in the plans. If you were bringing in Will Setterfield or starting with Will Setterfield, this had to be kind of the time. It might be a little bit earlier, as I said, but um, this is around the time that you, you should have been planning to get rid of him. So I don't, I don't think that one's so much for a question. 
The one that's going to cause uh, a few sleepless nights when you're deciding whether to trade him or not is Jacob Hopper, Dylan. So he's currently been traded out by almost 2,000 teams this week. He went up 15K last week. He only scored 71. His break even starting to creep up. It's now in the 90s. Uh, what do you make of Hopper? What do you make of his role in the Richmond team? Do you think, is he, is he a chance that he could still sort of sneak into that M8, M9 sort of position in your team? Or is he one that you're looking to move on in the coming weeks? Yeah, so Hopper, I think, I'm not sure that he'll end up being a, an M8 or an M9, but the fact that he seems to be relatively consistent, his role is still there. He's a hold for me. Um doesn't have that the high break even that Setterfield does. Just, just on Setterfield, I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit. So mm, love it. I'll use my situation. So I've got um, 200 grand in the bank at the moment, so I can go Setterfield up to whichever primo I want. Or do I hold Setterfield, downgrade, uh, sorry, trade out um, Wilmot and Fergus Green? So the options are Setterfield to a primo, end of, or do I go... Fergus Green and Wilmot to Simpson and Cripps. Mm. So do I, it's mm. essentially, do I use two trades and end up with a bloke like Simpson or Anglin, or do I use just the one and get straight up to Cripps like that? My personal feelings on that one would be that uh, Simpson is not long for this world in yep. the Geelong side. So I think you'd have to have a lot of other playing rookies on your bench, which uh, I don't think many of us do at this point to, to make that, you know, if you do have, if you do have a few there, then I'd, then I'd, I'd, be, I'd probably be doing it. But yeah, I think that, that, that set of field, that little jump up to the primo is so attractive. And for many people, I think myself included, it, it might be the only path to get Oliver in the coming weeks is to have that set of field jump rather than trying to upgrade a, I don't know, I'm, who the hell do you even upgrade in your midfield? Like I've got Matty Roberts sitting there and Matt Johnson, like, like <laughs> they're not upgradable. So I think that's probably where I would lean on that one. What do you make of Hopper Bandit? Yeah, I'm actually pretty keen on holding him this at least this week, um, given that Richmond play West Coast, who um, barely have enough players to bring over for that game at the MCG on on Saturday. Um, I can easily see him scoring a ton against um, against West Coast this week. I can't remember off the top of my head how many players from Carlton scored tons last week against West Coast, but I know it was a lot. So. <laughs> It was a huge game. Um, yeah, I think what Kerno scored 180, Cripps scored 150, Walsh was 120 or something like that. So, um, yeah, he's a, he's a clear hold this week for for me. Um, and to be honest, I'll probably hold him right through until he's by at the very earliest. I just don't really, um, like you said, have the funds or or the rookies coming through to be able to to upgrade him. Um, and to be honest, I think most people are in the same boat. So. Uh, I don't really see there's anything wrong with um, with holding him until he's by. Nine blues last week it was. That's like, that's... It's obscene. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I think Tim Mitchell tweeted that um, Carlton scored like 2,200 supercoach points on like as a team against West Coast. <laughs> so like, so like West Coast, like 1,100 or something. Like, was Are you kidding? Like smashing. Jesus Christ. Um, well, yeah, it's only going to get worse for them. I think you sent through before Bandit uh, that Sam, Sam Petrefki Seaton is out as well as one other as well. Yeah, Rhett Bazo had concussion right. and Sam Petrefki Seaton, I think, is serving the second week of a suspension that he got last week uh, or the week before. So, yeah, um, they're in pretty, trouble. Pretty dire straits over, at, uh, over in the West. Question without notice for both of you, because I think it's relevant to both Dylan and myself and potentially you, Bandit. Um, if we can get up to any primo in the midfield and you don't have Oliver yet, it, it has to be Oliver, right? You can't you can't go elsewhere? Um, yeah, I think it yeah, does. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It depends on the... When's their buy, though? Is that, are they in that first buy? 
Um, yeah, they, might, they might be. So that might be the one reason why you wouldn't go Oliver. Um, but no, they've got the round 14 buy. Okay, yeah. So, Which is not so bad. Yeah, it's actually okay. So, yeah, yeah. look, if yeah, if you haven't got Oliver and you've got the funds to do it, then, yeah, I'm pretty on board with, with doing that. The next thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, and, and yeah, again, we have touched on a little bit, is just the, the fact that all of our rookies are stagnating at the moment. I don't know about you boys, but I'm looking down my bench and I've got Seamus Mitchell, who was subbed out last week. Um, I've got Lockie Cowan, I've got Matt Johnson, I've got Matt Roberts, Charlie Constable, Nick Madden, Van Ruyen, and Sam Sturt. I mean, that is as uninspiring as it gets from a rookie brigade. So I guess my question is a broad one. Um, how the hell do you approach this? Because at what po- I can't see a point in the season where I'm not desperately going to need cash, so I'm going to have to be downgrading the rookies who've actually made a bit of money. But conversely, that's going to leave me with absolutely zero bench cover on my bench. Dylan, like what, what the hell are we going to do here? How do we, how do we approach this? I feel like the thing that um, I guess lessens the blow for me is the fact that everyone's in the same position. So it's not like it's just your team that's been um, rinsed on the rookie front. We've sort of just got to ride it out, I think. The prop- in an ideal world, this would be the time where we go, okay, this guy's out with a four-week injury. This guy's not playing. He's been dropped. We'll sideswap him into a, a guy that is in. But, you know, we mentioned before, Simpson's a bit iffy. Um, Angwin's a bit iffy. There's a few others that are either not scoring very well at all or um, have really ordinary job security. It feels like it's one of those ones that you just have to ride out and hope that you know somewhere along the line someone shows their head. We were looking a little bit at the rookies on the bubble this week, and I mean, while there's there's Chin Cotter or Sin Cotter, however you pronounce his name, is is a clear trade in, and I think most people will be bringing him in. It's yeah. a bit light on outside of that bandit. Can you make a case for any of the the Angwin, Simpson, Tickle, Lord types of the world? Yeah, I thought Angwin certainly interested me a little bit. Um, his time on ground last week was actually pretty solid. He had 81% time on ground. So that's actually a bit higher than what we usually see for these rookie types who come in in their first couple of games. Usually teams like to ease him in with sort of high 60, low 70% time on ground. So the fact that he was over 80%, I think, is kind of telling in his role, which might be which might be promising if you need a, a rookie downgrade. Um, Simpson, as we touched on, I'm not really sold on his job security and the elevated price is a bit of a turnoff as well, particularly at this time of year where you're looking to maximise your, your cash for, for trade-ins and things like that. Um, having to fork out the extra 40K over someone like Angwin's not not ideal. Um the other, thing, the other one that I could kind of make a case for is Tickle. Um, mm, you did make the case for him in our chat the other day. Yeah, I actually think his job security looks pretty solid. Like he's he's clearly Port's number one ruck in terms of the ruck contest that he's attending. Um, but again, like he's nearly two hundred k. That's that's really expensive for a rookie at this at this time of year. Um, if he was fifty k less expensive, I'd be interested. But um, yeah, it's kind of hard to justify his price tag if you're trading like a a Will Phillips or a or a Johnson or a Roberts, um, you're either not making a lot of cash on that trade or you're actually having to give up cash to, to make that trade. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that kind of makes it hard to hard to stomach from that point of view. I think it says it all that I'm looking through the Supercoach website at the moment and the fourth most traded in player this week that, that's not in my team is Rory Atkins at 203K and having played one game for the season, yeah. uh, had an 89 against Richmond. Uh, Dylan, do you see anything in that? Is there, is there any merit at all in going on Rory Atkins? Certainly not this week. Um, if he was to put out another 90 next week, it might be a different conversation. But yeah, I certainly wouldn't be going there right now. 
The other option that I guess we have, well, actually, we should first touch on Chin Cotter. I mean, I, I sort of chalked him in as, a, as an automatic in. Um, he's looked pretty good from what I can see from Carlton's first two games. I mean, the problem is that he played um, one of the worst teams of all time on the weekend, so it's kind of hard to get a gauge on anything that occurred on Saturday night. But, yeah, Bandit, what do you make of him? Is he, What do you make of his prospects in the team? Is he going to stay in? What are his scoring capabilities look, looking like going for, going further? Yeah, look, he's. I mean, he hasn't put a foot wrong in the first two games. He's looked. He's looked really solid. Um, I honestly can't really see him falling out of that team at the moment. Like they've obviously dropped um, Cowan after he had a bit of a run in the team, but he hasn't really done much from a super coach point of view. So, um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of Carlton over the last couple of weeks. But what I have seen of Chin Cotter is that he looks, you know, pretty lively and he's a pretty reasonable ball user. So uh, I think Carlton, as long as he's as long as he's playing well at the level, um, there's no reason why he wouldn't drop back to. To the VFL, so um, yeah, I can definitely see him getting a bit of a, a bit of a run on in this in this Carlton team. The only uh, the, the the next option that I want to posit to you guys is, and it's something you've helped us out with today, Bennett, with a bit of research. Is you know, do you get do you get desperate enough that you offload one of these guys sitting on the bench to someone who's not currently playing, but might be coming through the ranks in the next couple of weeks? And even and at worst case, uh, we can probably get a look at these guys over the next couple of weeks anyway. So. Um, Bennett's done a bit of research into a bit of the, the local league stuff and just, just to give us a bit of a sense of who's on the radar coming up for, for rookie downgrades. Like, do we need to panic now or can we wait this out and, and see that there's a few few guys coming through? So um, what about, uh, we'll start with your boys, Dylan, um, in, in Hawthorne. Uh, what have you seen from the Hawthorne lower level side and is there anyone that's coming up through the ranks that, that you think might be a potential downgrade option for us uh, over the next couple of weeks or months? Geez, Box Hill's doing better than the Hawks are, so uh, <laughs> um, they're looking all right down there. But I guess my concern with with us is that because we are struggling at the top level so much, there seems to be a lot of chopping and changing. So Cam McKenzie's one who I thought didn't do a lot wrong early doors, um, and they send him back to the VFL to quote unquote play with a little bit of freedom. Um, read into that what you will, but yeah, it, the concern I have there is that. Um, guys like McKenzie, Connor McDonald was another that ended up uh, back in the VFL. They both played pretty well, but um, Max Ramson, uh, Josh Weddle, Seamus Mitchell um, a few weeks prior, they've all been elevated. So there seems to be a, probably a, a group of six to ten players that are, are cycling through both programs at the moment, um, which leaves me a little bit worried. Um, I guess Mitchell getting something out is, is cause for concern. Um, fingers crossed he can you know, play the next two or three games at least. Otherwise, it's uh, looking pretty grim. Indeed. Uh, what about you, Bennett? You've been hot on this guy for a long time. Josh Fahey from GWS. Um, you've written in our notes that he, if he played for any other club, he would have debuted by now. When are we going to see the, the Fahey debut? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually, um, I was just scrolling through Twitter before we uh, before we jumped on to record this. And I think um, Adam Kingsley uh, basically said he's behind the likes of Whitfield and Lockie Ash um, and these types of sort of running midfielders for, for a spot in the Giants um, AFL side. So they've actually been trying to sort of move him around a bit um, and give him a different role to try and open up a spot for him in, in the AFL team. But uh, yeah, so far it hasn't been forthcoming, which is frustrating because I think he's been averaging, you know, at least 30 disposals in the VFL in the last in the last month. Uh, he had 25 touches and kicked a goal on the weekend against, um, against Port Melbourne, I think it was. So... Yeah, I mean, he's basically banging the door down, and yeah, like you said, if he was um, if he was playing at any other club, I'm pretty certain he would have um, been given a debut by now. But um, yeah, hopefully he's not too far away because he is definitely one as a um, 123k 
defender mid, um, who would be a very handy addition mm. to, our, to our teams. Would be very handy. We've also been stiff this week by the fact that uh, North Melbourne, Brisbane, Essendon, Sandringham and Sydney all for some reason had a VFL buy this week, which means, uh, yeah, for the likes of Will Phillips and Owen Davey and, and Corey Warner, they haven't really been able to push a case based on that. Uh, George Wardlaw also hurt his knee. We've been waiting for him for a while. Uh, Bandit had that one written in your notes as well. Thank you for that one. Um, what I, The one I did want to ask you about, Bandit, uh, is the Gold Coast. Because I know personally I'm holding on to Charlie Constable. There might be teams still holding on to yeah, a few of the other guys that are falling down in that pecking order. Well, is Constable any chance of playing? I mean, seriously, like I, I, I desperately need I desperately need him back at the team. Is he going to get any chance to play at any point? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, remarkably, Gold Coast actually played 22 AFL listed players in their VFL side on the weekend, which is why they beat um, which is why they beat Richmond by so much. Their list is in. Pretty rude health, um, aside from Took uh, obviously doing his knee the other the other week. Um, Constable, to be fair, hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, he had thirty two disposals and a goal, but um, there's just so many other blokes who are who are doing well in that team as well. Connor Blakely is another one who had thirty five touches. Um, Sam Flanders came back from injury on the weekend and had thirty as well. So um, yeah, they've actually got a little bit of depth, Gold Coast. But um, I kind of question whether that depth is actually any good because I think. The form of those guys, those three in particular, is pretty well exposed at AFL level. And to be honest, it doesn't really look like they're kind of up to it for whatever reason. So, yeah, it's a hard one. Um, the only other one that sort of caught my eye was was Tom Berry. Um, I think he played the one of the practice matches prior to, to round one and looked uh, looked okay. But he had 25 touches and annoyingly kicked two behind. So, if you had 25 and two goals, you'd be like, oh, okay, maybe mm-hmm. you're not far away from a debut. But... Um, yeah, he probably needs to, to put a bit of form on the board with um, with the resis before he uh, gets a call up. I want to go quickly back to Hawthorne for just a second before we move on, Dylan. Um, we, we've got the, you know, I've got myself, Seamus Mitchell came into my team last week, obviously got the, the sub vest on the weekend. Josh Weddle as well is another one that, that debuted recently. You've, uh, are those guys under pressure? Are we going to, is, is Seamus Mitchell going to be out of the side this week, do you think? Oh, I think there is a, a chance that that happens. Um, Scrimshaw is one that uh, I, I'm not quite sure why he's not in the 22 at the moment. I, I really like uh, what he brings to the side. So he's one that's sort of sitting on the fringe. Um, there's a few others that we mentioned that went back to Box Hill and, and played pretty well. So, yeah, I, whilst Mitchell hasn't certainly hasn't been bad by any means, um, you know, it could be one of those situations where, and he, he sort of did bolt, I'd say, from my perspective anyway. He hadn't put together like a, a good two months of AFL form. It was a little bit um, unexpected from my end anyway. Um, and it feels as though it might, have, it might be one of those cases where it's, uh, we'll play this guy on the ones for a few weeks um, and, you know, can give him a taste for it. We'll then send him back to the twos and the idea is that he works his ass off for another month and then, you know, might get another opportunity at the back end of the year. I hope that's not the case, and I hope he is in for the for the long run. But yeah, I, I do have concerns over that one. It's not often that players get subbed off and then play the next week in the twenty two, mm. is it? Yeah, it seems pretty unlikely he's gonna that he's either gonna play the full game this week or will be the sub. It's really disappointing because we did we spent about ten minutes about talking about it last week and how the fact that he, he basically had his we, we thought he had his fate as a as an AFL footballer on his hands in the short term in that he played quite well and you know seemed to be in the favours of the coach but yeah for whatever reason subbed off um, again I don't know really why I thought he was going okay in that game yeah it, might, um, it is I think it is worth mentioning that it was the first game that Hawthorne didn't play 
two genuine rucks. Um, Ramson is a is a ruck forward, but has sort of played as a forward throughout Box Hill and um, since he's sort of taken that step up to senior footy. So traditionally they've taken off a you know a bigger body, uh, but the fact that they didn't have you know those sorts of big um, they didn't have a Lynch, they didn't have a um, Meek in the team supporting Reeves. That might be, I mean, I'm spitballing here, but that, that could be why he um, got dragged early. Interesting. And uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll leave him for next week, but I did like the look of Josh Weddle, um, assuming that he can hold his spot. I think he's uh, he's definitely going to be an AFL footballer and whether or not he can sort of hold his spot in this team is another another story, but we'll, I guess we'll see next week. Uh, the only other couple I, I thought was worth mentioning, Ben, you, you mentioned Harley Reid. Played for Carlton in the VFL, uh, obviously going to be the number one draft pick at the end of this year. So exciting to get a look at him whenever we can. Uh, and Charlie's mate, Tom Emmett, who is a 117k forward, kicked three goals for Frio on the weekend. So he might come in at some point too, which would be very exciting for Charlie. And I'm sure we'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> but that might do us for our rookie chat. I just wanted to, before we move on from our big topics, uh, I wanted to throw another pretty broad one at you boys because it's it's been gnawing away at the back of my mind. Uh, the fact that I really haven't done much buy planning. And, you know, normally you'd, you'd be all set up for the buyers. You'd, you'd have your upgrades and downgrades sorted. You'd be making decisions based on, you know, whose buy works, your structure, fits your structure better. But this year it's really felt like it's just a bit of a free-for-all. I mean, I <clears throat> personally haven't had any, really any chance to, to do my buy planning purely because I'm trying to fix up holes in every line every week. So I wanted to ask you, Bandit, um, how much attention you're paying towards the buyers at this point of the season and, and what you can sort of try and do over the next month or so to, to make sure that your team's in a, in a spot where it can, can can attack the buyers, I guess. Yeah, I am starting to think about it, mainly because uh, the buyers really found me out last year and it probably um, cost me a bit of ranking um, by not sort of doing enough pre-planning for it. But I feel like I'm in a much better spot uh, this year personally. So at the moment, I've got about 19 players, I think, who should hopefully be available for for round 12. And then obviously the round 13 buy shouldn't be much of an issue with just Gold Coast and, and Geelong uh, not playing that week. But um, yeah, either side of that round 13 buy rounds 12 and 14 at the moment, I've got sort of around 19, 20 players available, um, all things going well. So um, yeah, we can obviously trade into players later on once they're through their buy. But yeah, that first buy is, is really critical to make sure that you can set yourself up for that that month. How about you, Dylan? How are you feeling about the upcoming buys? I mean, we've got a month basically before the the first um, team has the week off in round twelve. So, how's your team placed, and what are you going to be doing over the next couple of weeks to just to shore things up? Yeah, I won't lie to you, Eddie. I hadn't even looked at buys until about an hour ago when I was uh, looking through your notes for this pod. So, um, yeah, I, I usually play it pretty um, pretty loose when it comes to the buys. I think, as Bandit mentioned, so long as you're not. Um, not too far down the drain early on in that buy month. Um, you can sort of make sure you trade around it um, in the weeks leading up to it and, and post that first week or so. So, yeah, at the moment, um, round 15, I think, is the buy that is looking the worst for me. But even then, it, it um, as it sort of panned out, it hasn't it doesn't look too bad. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. it. It might, I guess, coming forward now, maybe plays into my thinking a little bit if I'm weighing up two, uh, if I can't split two options. But yeah, I think for the most part, um, you know, no one's really been able to plan for it overly much because we've had all these spot fires that we've had to put out. So if you haven't thought about it, I wouldn't stress too much. It's um, As you mentioned, there's another month to go now and we can uh, trade accordingly. I don't know how the people who play NRL Supercoach juggle their buys because they've got like mm. teams having buys every week. I was just, it's amazing. Yeah. Not to mention the, the, or- I don't know how they do it. 
the origin buyers are the worst thing. So you, you're trading in the best players in the game, but then you also have to be aware that they're going to miss three weeks of the year because they're playing origin. Yeah. It, it's horrible. Um, Charlie, our erstwhile colleague um, and one of the editors at SC Playbook is coming 145th overall in the NRL version of the game. So wow. um, he's doing very well, he but followed? he has... I didn't realize he was an NRL follower. He started following it this season and, and he's going 145th in, oh, yeah. in Supercoach. So he's doing very well. I keep telling him that the buyers are going to ruin him though. So I'm hoping because <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me last year. You can know all the NRL you want as a, as a passive observer, but then as soon as the the, the, um, the origin comes along, it just ruins you. So yeah, good luck to Charlie. Um, boys, uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about throughout this week. So I wanted to give a bit of a plug for the SC Playbook subscription package. Um, it gets $50, gets you the full access to the SC Playbook site. And that's all of our NRL, AFL and BBL content for the next 12 months. If you're just into your AFL and you're not a multi-sport guru like Charlie, don't worry. It's only a $30 for the SC Playbook subscription package for the AFL. And what that gets you is extra premium articles every single round, access to our major unlimited group prize on the Supercoach website. But I think most importantly, it gets you access to our WhatsApp chat um, with all the SC Playbook contributors and the community as well. So that is an absolutely fantastic resource. Uh, we've got people in there constantly asking questions, posting their teams, asking for advice on trades. Uh, and that's something that a lot of us, all of us contributors absolutely love um, giving feedback to you guys directly. So I think that's the, it's the major carrot for joining up to the SC Playbook website. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, it's $30, which gets you all of the access to your AFL content or $50 if you want the full package. Uh, the unlimited group prize as well is $500 for the top ranked subscriber to knock off our team. Um, and if a non-subscriber wins, we'll split $250 each between the winner and the runner-up. The code to join that group is 345511. Boys, I want to find out what we are up to this week in terms of captains, vice-captains, trades, etc. Myself, personally, I'm going Jinbi to Chincotta and Setterfield up to Oliver, which I think is a pretty beige couple of options, but they feel right. The only real question there for me is whether it's Jinby or Wilmot that gets the flick, but I think you guys successfully have talked me into keeping Wilmot given the, uh, the outs that Brisbane have. It feels like he's got a bit more job security. Bandit, what about you? Where are you leaning this week for your trades? Uh, yeah, I've got a bit of cash in the bank. Uh, I've got about 120k on my sleeve to use, so I'll probably go... Fergus Green and Philippou out for Chincotta and Steele. Um, that's kind of the way I'm leaning at the moment. I can do some DPP swings to look at like a Sinclair or a Sicily type, but um, I feel like Steele, with the ceiling that he's got um, and the form that he's shown in the past, um, at 537k, that's that's a lot of value for money on what it can potentially deliver. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty set on those two trades, I think. Yeah, talk, can you talk to me about Jack Steele for a second? Um, what do you, what do you, what, do you, what really is your thought? I know you just mentioned it then that you think he's underpriced, but um, does his sort of performance so far this year give you any cause for concern, or are you thinking that's injury affected, or what, where are you leaning with Steele? Um, no, he definitely started the year slowly. You're right. I think he only, he didn't turn up in the first two games, and then he that second game he actually busted his collarbone, so that he probably would have turned up in that game if he if he hadn't done that, but. Um, I think last week um, against Port, we saw him getting back to somewhere near his best. I think he had 11 tackles, which is really a really good indicator of how his game's going. He's a real uh, tackle machine. So, um, yeah, if he can get back to doing that, um, you know, there's a lot of points on offer there for him. And, um, yeah, that, that score that he put up on the weekend against Port Adelaide was, was really solid. So, um, I know there was a bit of talk around the fact that Ross Lyon came in and told him and said Ross that they needed to be a bit lighter to be able to, execute the game plan that Ross wanted to, to play this year. So 
Um, who knows, maybe it just took a little bit of time for him to adapt to that, but uh, looks like he was getting back to somewhere near his best on the weekend. Worth mentioning that they play North under the lid at Marvel this week where he's coming off 154 points in the last time they played each other there. So I think that is a, that is a nice little tick in that direction as well. Dylan, what about you? Where are your trades headed this week? Yeah, so I locked in Filippo to Chincotta as soon as it opened, um, as soon as I left it. So that one's been... Uh, that's been done, and then, um, as I mentioned before, I'm sort of weighing up whether I take out a um, Fergus Green and a, a Wilmot type um, and get a, a Simpson or an Angwin and Cripps, or if I just go straight from set of fields to Cripps. Um, yeah, I know Rob's been a, uh, a big advocate for Cripper in the past. He uh, He's one that's certainly on my radar at the moment. Love it. I think that's a nice little POD option. Uh, Bandit, you coming off an expert week on the captaincy front, you picked the Rowan Marshall thing. I, I think, honestly, it was a bit of a late tidal wave that came in Marshall's direction for the vice-captaincy last week, and I think you were right at the forefront of that that tidal wave. You were one of the really early ones on it on Twitter. So can you walk us through where your brain's leaning this week in terms of vice-captain and captaincy options? Yeah, kind of started, given where sort of six, seven rounds into the season now, we've got a bit of data on... Um, which teams are likely to give up more points to midfielders and rucks and that sort of thing. So I feel like you can start using a bit of that um, knowledge to your advantage a little bit. And I think um, the one that kind of stands out to me this week is um, Richmond coming up against West Coast to give up a lot of points to, to midfielders, obviously, because they um, are so injury depleted. So, uh, yeah, I really like um, Tim Taranto as a VC option this week, uh, nice and early in the round. So should have a, a loophole option if he, if he goes huge. Um, he's obviously in good nick at the moment, coming off a 140 last week against um, against the Suns. So, yeah, he's um, definitely one that I'm looking at for, for the VC this week, and then I'll probably just roll that into a safe option like um, like Tim English. Love it. I think Oliver against the Suns uh, is also a little bit of an attractive option as well. That's an early game too, so you could almost vice-captain Oliver into, yeah, I don't know, a Nick Dacos maybe on a Sunday. Um, I think that's, that's appealing. I'm leaning Taranto Vice and, and Oliver Captain uh, for that exact reasoning that you mentioned, Bandit. Is there anyone else you can throw in the mixer there for us, Dylan? No, I had um, Oliver and, and Bont just by default. I think he's um, he's just been so good this year. And his record against um, against the Giants isn't that great. Uh, but, yeah, his form at the moment, um, man, I just... I'm looking at backing him in, but ideally Oliver um, continues what he's been doing and we, we take him. Another big tick for Chin Cotter, by the way, is that the that Carlton play on Friday night. So you're going to get a look at him as a loop option sitting on the bench and then um, potentially having a Constable or a Seamus Mitchell type sitting there to, to let you get his score if you if you want to. So that's just another little tick for Chin Cotter. Likewise way. With, with Wilmot as well. Correct. Yeah. So we've got a couple of options this week, which is nice. Uh, each round of the season, boys, we're going to be producing SC Playbook special markets of our own through better. Uh, we're extremely excited. We've now got access to integrating our official AFL fantasy markets with the better uh, markets as well. Um, to follow along with whatever this week's market ends up being, we haven't settled on anything just yet. We've got to get the brains trust together to decide what we're going to go with this week. We found a heap of value in, in past weeks. Uh, if you are interested in following that along, you can check out any of the links to join better in any of our articles over at scplaybook.com.au. If you do sign up, uh, it would be really appreciated. We could use one of those links in the articles. It does let better know that we've sent you. So that'd be much appreciated. It's important to remember that you win some, but that, but you lose more. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. 
uh, absolute host of listener questions come through this week, boys. I'm really excited about it. We've got some, got some um, astute and switched on listeners out there who want to get their questions answered. Just a reminder, if you do want to get yourself featured on the SC Playbook podcast and get a question answered, please don't be afraid to reach out at any of our socials. We put up the, uh, the social media post every Monday morning asking for questions and we've got an absolute stack of them today, which I'm excited to get through. The first one comes from Adrian Butler. He actually asked three questions, but we answered the other two during the course of this podcast. So thank you for those ones as well, Adrian. But the, the third question that he wants to know, which I'm intrigued by, and I want to know the answer to this myself. He asks, is Patrick Dangerfield a trap? And I've sent that straight your way, Bandit, because uh, I had to watch Dangerfield completely destroy the Bombers on Sunday afternoon. He was absolutely brilliant. Uh, so I don't want to talk about him any more than I have to. What can you tell me about Danger? And uh, yeah, is he a trap or not? Well, I think last time I was on the pod, I was I was pretty hot on him, wasn't I? We didn't, you were we, indeed. He was my fruity option for a for a mid trade in. So um, I I don't think he's a trap personally. Um, I think on the weekend he had a really low time on ground. I think he had like sixty four percent time on ground or something. It was the lowest time on ground of any player that wasn't subbed on or off. So um, yeah, the Cats obviously found a little sweet spot there in terms of um, in terms of managing his his body. So. If they can keep doing that, I don't think he's as much of a risk of getting a rest later in the year as what we maybe thought. Um, I think if you are going to bring him in, you do need to budget for the fact that he may miss a game or two between now and the end of the year. But, um, yeah, he hasn't put a foot wrong over the last sort of three or four weeks. He's been clearly their best player outside of um, Jeremy Cameron, of course. But, um, yeah, he's really leading that midfield with with no Selwood there anymore. Um, He's really the the big dog, so he's got to do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of the centre bounces. That is crazy. I'm just looking that up as you speak. Had 124 points on the weekend in 64% game time. Um, yeah, yeah, that's outrageous. Uh, that is that is really good. He is looking fit and firing. He's gone 119, 118, 144, 124 in his last four games. So, yeah, the man is building. I, I'm I'm firmly with you, Ben, and I, I don't think he's a trap. I think it's not a it's not a coincidence that Geelong are playing so well at the moment with with him at the helm. Uh, I think he it was a point of pride for him that they lost those first two games and he was pretty shit house. Um, I think he's come back in a big way and yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't think he's a trap at all. I'd I'd be considering him as potentially yeah an M five or M six for the rest of the season. Uh, speaking of uh, top six options, uh, Craig Keel wants to know, Dylan, will Bailey Smith be a top six forward from now until the end of the year? Um, it's a really good question, it, and it's one that I, I feel like. We don't need to get on him right now. So I'm looking at his scores um, throughout the year so far. He's, he's gone 76, 87, 102, 69, and 103. So an average of 87, which on the surface is okay. Um, but I went and dug into his center bounce numbers a little bit more. And he's only really um, he attended 41% on the weekend, missed a couple of weeks through injury, but he hasn't had a game over 55%. So he's averaging just 35 to me, that really limits his ceiling. Um, and when we're looking at the forward line, a lot of teams have, you know, uh, Taranto, Rosie, Canelio, um, Sheasel, a lot of teams have, Dunkley, obviously. So it, it is a pretty jam-packed line to begin with. Plus, we're catching wind of guys like Sam Walsh potentially getting DPP. Um, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. I, I don't think I'd be jumping for him. He, he may end up top six, but at the moment, the role isn't there that he's had in, in previous years. So I'd be probably holding fire. Yeah, I, I just don't trust the Bulldogs um, with their midfield rotations. I just don't think we, you know, he's half, a, he's half a chance to spend the rest of the year stuck in a forward pocket. 
um, yeah, we just don't really know. I agree. There's too many question marks around the role. I think we're starting to see some forwards, um, yeah, separate themselves from the pack. Jeremy Cameron is a good example of one that um, I don't think we had picked as a top six forward to start the year. It's now looking that he likely that he probably will be. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think I don't think he's going to be a top six forward from now to the end of the year. But I also wouldn't be super surprised. Um, next question. I was absolutely gleeful when I saw it come through, Bandit, and I simply had to have you answer this one. It comes from Michael Midsey. He wants to know: Is is Luke Ryan going to finish the number two super coach defender behind Jordan Dawson? I really like Ryan, and I think he's a must-have. I couldn't have formulated this question better myself, given what happened to you last year with Luke Ryan, Bandit. Uh, what do you think about Michael's question here? Uh, yeah, thanks for your question, Michael. Uh, makes me feel really good uh, having owned Ryan last year and not starting him this year. Um, yeah, look, he's—I mean, he hasn't put a foot wrong this year, to be honest. But I think his scoring's also been a bit symptomatic of the way Frio have been playing, to be honest. They've been playing this sort of really safe, conservative, chip mark sort of game style. So I did notice on the weekend they did look to try and handle their way through a bit more, which maybe might impact his scoring a little bit. But, you know, on the weekend he still scored, what, 120 or something like that. So, um, yeah, look, if you like him, I, I can't talk him. I can't talk you out of him. Um, the one thing you do probably need to consider is that he does have a round 12 buy, which is that first that first bye week. So um, it's probably very team dependent, but um, if you're already stocked up on round 12 bye players, you probably need to wait until after that, after that round to, to bring him in. I know this is, this is kind of tenuous and I, I don't, I know I say this probably too often, but I, I don't really, I just don't like bringing in players for whose teams are shit. Um, and Frio suck. Didn't you just uh, what bring in Redmond, Eddie? <laughs> oh, that's low. That's so low. He's going um, there, Eddie. Uh, no, he's going there. I couldn't help myself. Oh, shut the hell up. Um, no, but I think, you know, Freo just suck. And whatever game style they're playing, we've said that a couple of times about the likes of Brayshaw and Sarong and stuff. You just like They're going to have to change something at some point, aren't they? And like you say, this kick mark game style is not working for them. So at what point do they shelve it and say, all right, we're just going to kick it long? Whoever's got the ball in the back half just kicks it kicks it out of there, uh, and that kind of negates uh, Ryan's influence potentially. Um, last question comes in from Cram Jono, who wants to know Jack Steele or Clayton Oliver using an extra trade. Uh, I think we touched on this a little bit before, so I'm sorry for rehashing old ground, but I think the answer has to be Oliver. Um, I you know I think Steele is a big chance of of being a, uh, you know one of the top def- uh, one of the top midfielders to finish the season, but I think with Oliver you just know. And he's going to be up there on the marks. He's kind of paying that extra premium to get the certainty, um, which is where I would lean. But I also understand the uh, the need to save a bit of cash at this point. So maybe maybe you do lean steel. Lean steel. It kind of depends what you've got in the coffers at this point. Boys, uh, that's about all we've got time for today. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's another great week of Supercoach. It's kicking us in the balls a little bit this year, I have to say, but it's uh, it's been fantastic. It's been entertaining. Uh, there's lots of different teams around. So uh, really enjoying both of your content on Twitter. Make sure you follow SC Bandit on Twitter and Dylan Bolch on Twitter. They're both great for news and little analysis, and Bandit always drops his uh, his little sneaky captain's, co- captain's choices towards the end of the week as well. So give them a look. Uh, Dylan, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Bandit, really appreciate it. Get back to your study. Pleasure, boys. See you next time. Thanks, boys.